This is a Stand Up New York Labs production, providing you decent podcasts since 2013. This is In The Conversation. This is Damian Lemon. And this is Ali Muhammad, the voice of your choice. Uh, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, man. I'm glad to have you back. Yeah, good to be back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How was everything out there with the show and the taping? Y'all wrapped this up the whole season? We wrapped. We wrapped. We wrapped season three. We shot good 26 episodes. Damn. 84 episodes in on Comedy Knockout, man. That shit yeah. is bananas. You got it. You about to be syndicated. Hopefully, we see him. We trying to. We working towards that. We'll see what's what. Got that money. Hey, <laughs> yeah, do the shit for the love. Now they own you. Now they own you. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. We had we had a good run. We had some new people on there. Some the names are getting a little bigger. Mm-hmm. People are getting a little bit more comfortable with the show. You know what I'm saying? Certain people have come back, and you know we the rhythm is is there. So did it I, felt good. Did I see Vlad? Vlad was on there, yeah. You know, the well, young El Capitan was in the building. People know what's happening. Yeah, I, I I put it on the on the gram. Yeah, Vlad came through. Vlad was in the building no with the doubt. with the motherfucking uh the burgundy blazer on. Yeah, no VLAD. No Shout doubt. out to Vlad. No so, doubt. you know, that was a good one. That was fun. Vlad, Miss Pat, and uh, my man Clayton. No, 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 no. And Noah Garner Schwartz. It was a good episode. Any other standouts that came on this season? Uh some I'm trying to hold off on bigging okay. up, but Natasha Leggero, Moshe Cash. Natasha Leggero, you might know her. She's a famous comedian, but she's on Dice, the show on Showtime. No doubt. Uh, she plays Andrew Dice Clay's wife. Moshe Cash used to co-host a podcast called The Champs with Neil Brennan. You know, they're married. They got a kid on the way. That was our first pregnant guest. Oh, right. Uh, you know, we out here breaking barriers. You know what I'm saying? That's Inclusive. A, that's about to be a thing. You know, yeah, we, you know, so that's what's up. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. My man Brad Williams came through. You know, Brad Williams, he's a, uh, he's a comic as well. Uh, dwarf. I guess I should say I could say it. You know, little people. He's like a, a little a dwarf. Person. I guess oh, I would go with dwarf because I don't is know that, what little people really entails. His, I don't know if that's that really it. his designation. That's what he proclaimed. Oh, he proclaimed. So it, I'm going by good. what he told yeah, me. He's, all, if he said it, then it's all good. Yeah. Shout out to Brad. No doubt. And a bunch of other people. Who's <laughs> you, was a little, you was a little uncomfortable right there. With that. Nah, I, I, <laughs> I went with dwarf because he said that. Okay, cool, cool. We were initially we were sensitive to it because you know what I mean. We didn't know what to. You know, you don't want to make a. A big issue of it all. No doubt. And then first five minutes, he went in on the fact that he was a dwarf and his homeboy was carrying him and doing all oh, types okay. of, you know, dwarf, uh, dwarf, dwarf driven life. Yeah, stunts. No doubt. So it was a good time, though. We had fun. It was, you know. <laughs> and, uh, shit, we done. We done for right now. It was a good. It was a good moment. Well, What's up a, with you? Well, that's a good thing, man. I'm I'm out here, man. I you had been, Bev in the building last week. Yeah, we had Bev in the building last week. You know what I'm saying? This week, you know, we we got more legendary figures up in the building. You I know see. what I'm saying? Very iconic. Very iconic. The, very in, iconic. In very very timely. The conversation has grown up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We, we have we have we have really come a long way. 
Have we? <laughs> yeah, man. All right. What's we, what we, 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 200, Something. how many episodes? A lot of episodes. Many episodes. Many episodes in. Shout out to you if this is your first episode. Go in the archive. There's many for you to listen there to. There are many. And shout out to the people who've been here from episode Absolutely. one. Or two or three or four. Absolutely. You know. Whenever Thank you jumped on board, we appreciate it. You are appreciated. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But <clears throat> I've been chilling. I've been in the lab. But I'm very excited to be here tonight because, uh, you know, we have... A friend in the building, uh-huh. but even more than a friend, just you know, a, a legendary figure in 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 these fashion. times. In you know, we, we say fashion and style. It's just in, in culture, really. You Ooh. know what I'm saying? Uh-oh. In culture, legendary figure in culture, because a lot of things that you may have seen come across. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of things that 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 stick. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? In various eras. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Well, she had a big hand in it, you know what I'm saying? And, and some of those things came right out of her brain and out of her hands and her, her emotions. So, wow. you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a good thing to have people like that in the conversation. People who create the conversation. Absolutely. Wouldn't be a conversation without these people. Nah, 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 nah. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in the conversation, <laughs> we have Rachel Johnson. A round of applause. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you very much. Ah. Thank you. Thank you. Now, <clears throat> for those who don't know the name, you know what I'm saying. Uh, she's done a lot of lot of. She's a she's a big time stylist and done a lot of things in style. Um, tell us a little bit about who you work with and some of the things that you've done. Real brief, because we're gonna get to it. But just just the the top line. Okay. Um, I have been styling for going on 18 years. I started in the music industry and worked with guys like Puff and Pharrell and Jay-Z and transitioned into specifically working with athletes and um, helping them fuse fashion into their brands Mm -hmm. and have been working with them, I guess, for going on 10 years. So I've touched gents (gasps) like LeBron James and Chris Paul. Chris Bosch, Amari Stoudemire, um, Cam Newton, Victor Cruz, Colin Kaepernick, and the list goes on. No doubt. Now, is it just 10? With athletes. It's been like 10 years. Didn't you you come in the the year of the dress code? I did. Oh, so that was 2006. So that was... 11 years. That's 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's 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 what I mean. Like that's a that was a crucial time point in in American sports. And consequently, American fashion. You know what I'm saying? Because before that, you had, you know, you had Allen Iverson, and then you had, uh, you had the, uh, you know, the the, the do rag era, the do rag. But no, big there, ass chains, the, the five button suit era too, as oh, well. The Steve Harvey moment. The, you know what I'm saying? The Shacks. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The cats was coming to the game with the long suits, right. and or just in their sweats, right? right and then right. they instituted the dress code. Right. Yes, they did. And um, I thought that was the year LeBron was a was drafted. No, LeBron was going into his fourth year. Mm-hmm. It was either his third or his fourth year. Okay, LeBron been in the game um, for a while. Yeah, yeah he has. Crazy? Yeah, yeah he has. He's the king of New York they, too. I hear. And I don't know. About and that, and appa- and that, and apparently, he's the king of New York now too. We, but we willy nilly with that. Title. Okay, and, and okay. they actually called him old. In the, in the play calling against the Knicks, <laughs> and he's old. Like damn, how many seasons he's been? About eleven? Like, was it? How many? Thirteen? I mean, that is old in the 15? NBA. Never been hurt. Yeah, I think it was two thousand three. Yeah, that's when he came in. So like fourteen, fifteen. That's a long yeah. time. Fourteen. Yeah. yeah, I think his. This is his fifteenth right. sneaker. 
Right. Yeah. So yeah. That's it. So. So you came in when they changed the, the rules to where you had to dress a certain way. I did. To come to the game. I did. I did. It was a turning point for sure. Um, in men's fashion, period. Mm-hmm. But men's fashion didn't know it yet. Um, so how did you come into the play right. when when that happened? Guys, what? Felt like, hey, yeah, oh, shit, I need to dress up. I don't have time to shop. How did you come into play? Actually, um, LeBron was... Actually, Jalen Rhodes was my first NBA client. Uh, and I started working with Jay um, when it was all about jerseys with the matching hats. Right. It was well, we all about the, the Mitchell and Ness jerseys mm-hmm. and um, the throwback jerseys and mm-hmm. fitted hats. Mm-hmm. And... Everybody knew me because I could get my hands on them before everybody else could. Right. The plug. So I was definitely the plug. Wow. So I started working with Jalen first, and he was the one who introduced me to the entire life, mentality, right. emotions, schedule of an athlete mm. and their movements. So when I started working with LeBron in 2006, I had great insight into the inner workings of an athlete's daily life. Right. So you come into the play. It's a dress code. What was your vision when you started working with LeBron? How did you want to see this his part of the dress code? Instant? Like, how did you want him to play it? Well, my goal for LeBron was, in my mind, I just knew I wanted him to be on red carpets and have on designer clothing and have on the same luxury brands that any actor or musician who was 5'10 and 165 pounds could wear. So you mm. jumped over the, the arena. You, you skipped past just showing up for the game and after the game. Well, I mean, at that time, all you know, the team that we assembled around LeBron, we had a vision. Mm-hmm. And the vision was that he was going to be a, a global icon and a billionaire. Mm-hmm. So that immediately takes mm. you outside of the arena. Right. And you you automatically have to think bigger than just what is he wearing to this game. Right. Right. And it was much more about what brands are we going to align him with? What events is he going to go to? Um, where is he going to be seen? You know, and how, how can he have a global impact. So um, with that in mind, all I knew is that from a fashion standpoint, his um, validity was going to come with the brands that he was able to wear. And at that time, because he's 6'8 and 265 pounds, (laughs) I'm not just rolling up into Barney's pulling all the fly shit. That really entailed me pounding the pavement and going to designers and really begging them at that time to create clothing for him and build clothing for him from scratch. And it was something that was completely unheard of. It was something that designers and design houses could not even imagine. They would look at his measurements on paper and just say, this person can't possibly exist. Did they say it in like an Italian accent? They absolutely. This is not. This is not fashion. <laughs> how do you see? <laughs> do this. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Which, so, how did you lever? How did you um, encourage them? Or how did you get them? Ralph Lauren. Them? Ralph Lauren was the first brand that 
bought into the concept of Mm -hmm. working with LeBron and opened up their entire line Mm -hmm. to him. And they allowed me to go in and buy his clothing when the buyers bought their clothing Mm -hmm. so that when they um, were cutting everything to produce it, they would cut specific pieces just for him. And that's the way that that started the program that I use for all of my athletes moving forward. But because everything had to be made, we had to start a season ahead like they do on the fashion calendar. Mm -hmm. So I would go to the shows and see the clothes and pick what I wanted and wait six months for things to come in. Wow. Hmm? But that shit worked. It it (laughs) definitely worked. That shit worked like a motherfucker. And it definitely worked. From that, from from that point, everything changed. You know what I'm saying? Everybody showed up different. Everybody, you know, everybody was trying to catch that and and be red carpet fresh for the game. Right. One thousand percent. I mean, these are for competitive these are competitive men. They're gonna compete with watches, clothes, babes. Everything. So, I mean, you tough. know, they compete. So, obviously, it's like who has the best stylist, right. who has the best style, who's getting featured, whose clothes are getting talked about. It it turned into a competition, and and actually, at that time, the athletes amongst themselves at least felt like they were being oppressed mm. by the league for being told what to wear right. as grown men. They're like, we're grown men, we're millionaires, we're, we know how to be professional, we do what we have to do on the court. How dare you tell us what to wear to work? Mm. But, so, But you took that oppression and turned it into a greater freedom. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I definitely I mean, freed some... I mean, if, some bad looks from some closets. Well, I, I can't speak for the league or nobody or the culture. Or nobody. I can only speak for myself. So from before that, you got Gators. You know what I'm saying? Six button suits. I guess Freedman's was doing a lot of work with the players out in Atlanta. Um, <clears throat> and you had Allen Iverson and that style. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So if if you're the league and you say, hey, you motherfuckers got to dress up. And you like, oh, shit. So if you're out of novice and you're like, you want me to put on a six-button suit? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Mm-mm. I'm not going to put on a, a businessman suit. So before there was an option, that's, those were the options that you had. So in creating something with LeBron and, and shaping a new way of thinking as far as what you can do, that, that to me, that opened up a whole new world of freedom. As far as style and and what's possible, what you can do, and they've they've taken it all the way to a, to an nth degree to this point, but before then it was one or two things. It was definitely one or two things, and at that time the dress code was you had to have on a collared shirt, so be that a polo or a button up, you had to have on a shirt that had a collar, oh, wow. or you had to have on a blazer. So you were able to wear a sport coat over a t-shirt if mm. you so desired. Oh, okay. And you could wear jeans, but you couldn't wear shorts. And at that time, you weren't supposed to wear sneakers, mm. period. Right. Damn, that's mm-hmm. fucking with the money though, right? 
while the thing that you can't that you could wear when you were on team travel was the um MBA like your official your official MBA okay. warm-ups All right. and the sneakers that you wear to play in but other than that yeah they expected them to come to work like any other man who worked in corporate america mm. wow um, that's oppressive so that's what we had to work <laughs> right. with so at first it's like how do you how can we stay within the dress code and follow what it is that they're saying but still have still create this persona and still have my own personality and still um uh, personalize this new oppression no doubt so speaking of new and oppression <laughs> this oh. week this week uh gq put out a cover with uh colin kaepernick right you know who's been you know fighting the injustices you know protesting the injustices that's yeah. been going on in, <clears throat> with the police and in the urban communities and uh <clears throat> they they named him gq citizen of the year and you put together that look, <laughs> which is a big fucking deal. It's a big like, look. Like it's an iconic situation right now. We got the throw out on the cover. You know what I'm saying? It's very just, militant. The, the right? internet is going crazy. They loving it. You know what I'm saying? They were loving the video came out today with his hair getting pulled back, and you know what I'm saying? He, I mean, he has ascended from just. Um, the the protester and the ball player. Now he's just got down sex symbol, all kind of shit. I'm seeing on the internet. It's a thing. So woke bay. Woke I've heard they woke bay. <laughs> they called him Jesse Washington. That's a whole new segment. You know what I mean? Of activism. You know what I mean? That's the whole new. You you were you know you so, believe in the cause, but you know they still so they still jacket voice. So here we go again. You know what I'm saying? We at the cusp of a historic moment, right? And and who they call? You know what I'm saying? To the rescue. They call the right one. You know what I mean? Let's tell us about you know how that came to be, and you know, and we'll talk about the process. So um, I've been working with Colin. I call him Cap. So if I refer to him as that. Um, but I like Woke Bay way better. <laughs> way better. That's much more accurate. Um, I've been working with Cap since 2013. Maybe it was 2012. But um, he had been off the grid completely since the whole kneeling mm -hmm. controversy has begun. Right. So I had not seen or spoken to him since everything popped off right. because he stayed really low key and obviously dressing and looking a certain way was not at the top of yeah, his that, list of yeah, priorities. No doubt, no doubt. So not only that, he also you know, has basically doing no media at all, not right. speaking and still hasn't spoken to the media, right. um, but was approached by every single magazine and media outlet you can possibly imagine. And he turned every one of them down. Mm. I don't think we knew that. So Continue. when I got 
when I heard rumblings of GQ wanting to award him with Citizen of the Year, Colin was on the fence about it. And of course, I'm like, we have to do it. There's no way you're not doing this. Of, of, of course, of course you're doing this. But I kept my mouth shut because I don't know. I have no idea day to day what right. Colin is going through right. mentally, physically, spiritually, right. emotionally. This could possibly be the 20th thing that he cared about. Right. So I didn't think that it was for me to push this because right. he knows his agenda and where he wants to be and what's right for him. So my goal, A, is to support him in whatever it is that he chooses to do that he's comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So I got the call on a Thursday. The call. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who? <laughs> Saturday, or maybe it was that Friday night, Trump called everybody in the NFL who kneeled a uh, son of a bitch. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. So mm -hmm. Before that. Uh, mm -hmm. Interesting. I like this. This is the story, guys. Like it's the yes. criterion this shit is how, right here. This is how it all actually went down. Listen to this when you look through that GQ. Exactly. It's a companion piece. Keep going. Trump said what he said, and the country erupted again. Right. And you know, everybody was waiting to see what the players were going to do that Sunday. Were they going to stand? Were they going to kneel? What was going to happen? And the only thing, the one of the main things that I thought about is there's no way Colin says no to doing this shoot. Mm. There's mm. no way. Mm. He, he has to say yes now. Right. Because really the conversation had not died down, but it was really quiet. Right. Mm. There wasn't that same emotion and that, um, that desperation wrapped around whether right. or not the players were kneeling or not. Right, right. So Trump says that it explodes. Now that's the conversation. Then Sports Illustrated, they do their cover, and then didn't put Colin on there. Well, or something like that. Well, Sports Illustrated and um, I think Esquire also did a cover on Colin that he didn't participate in. Right. And you know, magazines have the right to buy pictures and tell stories. That's right. what they do, right. whether or not the subject chooses to participate. Right. So that's how those things happened. Right. But he didn't have anything to do with them. He didn't sanction them. He didn't um, participate in them. In I don't, I don't think Sports Illustrated put him on there. Oh, he, they did because it was like Curry it was like more. it was Curry. It was some other. It was a bunch of other players, but it wasn't him. And it was like weird. Like why? If y'all gonna have this conversation, he the main one you need to be talking to. Right, but he's not talking to anybody. Right, that's what it was too. He wasn't yeah, his, he wasn't his silence got so loud that this right. was it set it up for him to mm -hmm. step to the mic. So if Trump said what he said on the Friday night, mm -hmm. the country erupts on Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. By yeah. Tuesday, I got the call. Mm -hmm. This is happening. Right. Mm. The call. I got that call. And I knew I was getting I yeah. knew I was where, where getting was that call. when you got that call? That's a really good question. So I don't remember because I probably blacked out. No doubt. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> because the magnitude of getting that call and being told that Colin wouldn't do it if I weren't present and Ooh. I weren't part of the entire project. Mm. That's dope. 
it's just those kinds of things are really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really did black out <laughs> when right, right. I got that call. But um, there, it took us five days to put the shoot together. But not only did he say that. Okay. If you wasn't doing it. Yes. But there was other stipulations to the style as well. There were other stipulations. What Talk to us. What were the stipulations? So, um, the two stipulations were that I style it Mm -hmm. along with Jim Moore, Mm -hmm. the creative director at GQ, who I love forever and a day. Shout out to Jim. And he only wanted to wear designers of color. So Mm. designers of color or and or women, female Mm. designers. Mm. Those were his two main requirements. And since he knew that I was on the team, he knew from a stylistic standpoint, someone who actually understands what he wears and what he's comfortable in. Mm -hmm. He knew that I had that. So those were the things that he wanted um, represented in terms of his styling. This guy is so progressive. <laughs> he's no, citizen no one he's citizen. Of, listen, I wouldn't even know what to put me in the fly shit. Listen, look at that. I ain't got no agenda. So there Keep is going. no Tom Ford. There is no Saint Laurent. There no. is no. There are no, none of those go-to brands that GQ usually calls that they have lay, just like laying around in their desks. Right. All of those rules went out the window, and That's it's fine. this opens up a whole new moment and movement for them right you get to go the green light what how you move with it are you running are you tiptoeing i got a question too like what are the uh are there parameters on it because i see like there's the muhammad ali homage like how does that get built creatively like is it do you take direction from the magazine or do you like do y'all brainstorm together how's that work out that it took an entire village to put this project together okay and literally we did it in five days Hmm. um colin agreed to shoot it at the very like literally we shot it on the very last day that we possibly could for it to be able to go to be edited and go to print on time wow so it took all of the masterminds um between gq's camp colin's camp um between those two camps to put everything together and um create the masterpiece right. that um came from it but but 5 days so in 5 days you know that everyone who was involved is were people who were at the top of their game mm-hmm. and who have in their back pockets the resources to pull something like that together right so you say this is, you know, when it's the Saint Laurent and the puzzle, 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 puzzle. Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's already that's already in the in the movement, already in, in the credits, mm-hmm. already in their, their handbag and toolkit. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for the designers that that get this look and that get this credit in a platform like a GQ in an issue that's as historic as this one? I mean it's it's invaluable. It's incredible. It it's the beyond my being so proud of Colin and his bravery and his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's the number two thing that I'm most proud of. Mm. Because the names that you're gonna see in this book are names that would have never 
gotten into that book. Mm. They're designers and clothing and pieces that would have never been in the GQ offices that the creative directors and the powers that be who decide who's going into that magazine would have never even been exposed to. Mm. But now, even if even if these designers weren't featured or Colin didn't even wear their clothing, the fact that they were in consideration, the fact mm -hmm. that their names are now known in those hallways, mm -hmm. it, it was just like, it's historic. Church. And so for, for, you know, when I reached out to the designers and we did our outreach, we can't tell them what we're calling for. Right, right. You just say, y'all ain't we got a whole bunch say, of time, it, It's a cover story. Right. It's a cover story. And we're specifically, we, we're specifically highlighting black designers or designers of color. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And of course, they want to ask a lot of different questions, but there are no answers to be given. Mm. So, so when now I what's that? black scrutiny is something <laughs> like now, was there a little bit of pushback? Was it like, well, come on now, tell me, Rachel, stop playing. Let me know. <laughs> or they you were know all why the, and they trust there, you. There's no point. pushback. If you're a menswear desire, designer and GQ wants you to send samples, you send samples. So you did say it's GQ, though. You Absolutely. Said it's a cover for GQ. GQ but that's cover. It. Oh, yeah. okay. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Right, oh, right. Right. I thought yeah, you, I gave them I enough it was, information. I thought there was no information. Like, listen, just send it to this address. <laughs> send me an XL. And, and uh, a double X. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and your credit card number just because I have to send it all back. No, you know? no true indeed. <laughs> we'll talk about that too. We'll get into that. Uh, so uh, when they find out mm, what it is, mm, is it when it drops? Um. So, yes. Damn. The, the designers didn't know who was wearing their clothing or wow. what it was for until yesterday. That's Damn. fire. Who are some of these designers? So Colin wore, okay. So Colin wore War Air Boswell for the cover, but Boz had to create Colin's look for him. He built that from scratch because Colin can wear things off the rack, but for something like this, we wanted to get something made. Mm -hmm. So Boswell absolutely knew who it was for because he needed to know who it was for right. so that he could make it. We had five days to nail it. So right. he had to, I had to buy fabric, send it to him, wow. have him cut it, him send it wait, back wait, from wait, LA. You had to make the whole shit? Yeah. So this ain't just you, you picked out some clothes. No, like this, this things were getting made and like fabric bought in New York, it being cut in LA, it getting back, sent back to New York and us having to fit Colin within five days. Damn, good God. So a lot of FedEx because of my, <laughs> there was a lot of FedEx and then a lot of prayer. Cause you like, please make, please let it show up right. on time and please right. let it be there be in time right. for this deadline. Right. And this is like, this is like my career. To me, this is like my career on the line. Like Jim Moore, who is the creative director at GQ, really entrusted me with this project, this mm. project and with this process. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with Jim before on two other covers with LeBron, but wow. there wasn't that level of trust there. A, because Jim was working within the confines of the life that he knows and right, the life right, that he's right, created. Right. But having to bring in these designers that he's never heard of before and that oh, he you. hasn't worked on, with it before, it was really ass. on me. <laughs> it was really well, on let's me. Let's see what the blackies can do. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that's, that's just me talking. But, it, but, but yeah. So 
you know, it had to be right. It had to be perfect. It it had to be on point for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. So Boswell, who um, Colin has on for the cover, knew that it was for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also knew that he got the cover. But you never know until, until you see that cover you see. because mm. you know in the magazine world like we shot two different covers he could have had on a different designer had he picked another had they picked another photo right. like you never know how things are going to change and move around right. so it wasn't until it got posted online yesterday morning on gq.com and mm-hmm. on gq's instagram that we knew for sure right, right, right. what was being worn did anyone call call canine Nick. Nobody, nobody reached out to Carl. Does Carl and I still make clothes? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. He I'm don't, saying don't black designers. I, I, my shit you is. I don't you know went, enough. You went to nostalgia. You this did. wasn't a nostalgia. You I'm did. just saying. Well, right, we, shout, out we, shout out to Carl Kanai. Shout out to Carl Kanai. Shout out to all of them because right. without Carl Kanai, there is no Virgil at Off White. There is mm. no Jerry yeah. at Fear of God. Mm. Mm. There Talk is no. There, there are none of these guys who are who are who are creating right now. If there were. I the the Carl Kanai's and the Echoes and right. the right. All, all of those brands that came in before um, the the elevated version of what's out right now. Right, 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 right. right. Um, so, so some of the other designers that actually hit the pages or yeah, who hit else? the pictures that came out. Um, Colin wore Fear of God. Okay, who's made by Jerry Lorenzo? He's out of L.A. Like one of the leading edge designers mm. um, in the game period right now, just mm. amongst designers who are, who are having an impact on the culture. He's, he's, he's number one. He is. I didn't know that. I know. Learn something new know. every day. You do. That. He's Jealous. actually black and considers himself black and calls himself black. Why wouldn't he? I mean, right. you know, he could say that he's mixed with one quarter Indian and okay. three fourths Italian oh, with a oh, with a, a oh, dash of Indian. Uh-huh, he could do that. You know, he, he could line up because the hair, you know. He got the, he got the good yeah. hair. Yeah, I mean, you know, okay. the ponytail. Like, it could have come from somewhere else, but he's okay. like, I'm a black man. Bird, bird. Sewing bird. these clothes together and there hoping that somebody buys them. And, That's what's and Look at him now. Look at that. So the jacket that Colin is wearing that says Kaepernick across mm-hmm. the back mm-hmm. is um, one of Jerry's creations Dirt, by right. Fear of God. Nope. Um, he wore the t-shirt that he's wearing that has all the names right. of the, um, the falling ones. Yes, the the people who we've lost to police brutality, police violence, to murder by right. police mm-hmm. um, is by a designer named Pierre Moss, a guy named Kirby who lives in Brooklyn right. who started a brand called Pierre Moss who shows consistently at New York Fashion Week his brand is beautifully made beautifully conceptualized and he had a a version of that t-shirt that he put out a year ago but he specifically created that t-shirt for our shoot and added more names to it because sadly the list on the t-shirt it gets longer and longer and longer it's fucking ridiculous Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the T-shirt says, and even more names. Even more names. That's a damn shame. Mm. Yeah. Even more names. Um, <clears throat> he wore a brand called Musica Ferre, who's mm. out of New York. Who also, it's also run by a Haitian American gentleman. Sapase. Hey, lives in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, who actually was named Forbes th- um, on Forbes Thirty Under Thirty list today? Okay, yeah. today. 
today. Oh, he on fucking fire. He's on fire. No, he's on party. What? <laughs> so party you know he's not answering any text messages. Nah, nothing. Nah, nah, nah. Cannot find him. Nah, it's only, order right it's now. only pushes. No, no pull. <laughs> All push. Hey, did you see me today? Hey, right, what's right, up with the bag? Right. What's up with the bag? Yeah. Oh, so Davidson Foray, um, and he wore. Um, a really dope Sherling that didn't get featured in the magazine, but it's the Sherling that Colin is wearing at the beginning of the video. Oh, in the video. By my man, Mike B. Mike Shout B. out, Shout Mike, out Mike B. B. Right. Shout out, Mike Bogart. He's wearing um, I Bogart. And, you know, like, listen, people called me on the phone, literally, designers called me on the phone crying. Mm. Literally. Mm. Like, thanking me, wanting to take me out. Dope. What do I owe you? What do you... And it's like... You did this. No doubt. Mm. This is your work. This is these are the fruits of your labor. So you bask. You owe me nothing. You bask in that. No doubt. Ho- whole lot. But whole if you want to send me some, <laughs> my address. Right. You know what I mean? I'm just <laughs> saying. Zero seven six three one. You can send a credit card to me if you want. <laughs> you know I mean? Enjoy a white wine. Yeah, man. Thanksgiving's coming up. I would like to show <laughs> you know up with a man? bottle. Christmas and such. <laughs> You know, don't forget about your girl. No, nah, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, that's no big. Well, I want to ask you questions about, you know, obviously this is a, a huge moment, but this is, I mean, yeah, this is your career has been it's span of a bunch of huge. Yeah, moments. it's a lot of huge moments. You are a dundada. People know you. People know the fuck with you. I'm curious about these phone calls, the the outreach, how vulnerable is the call when somebody reaches out for a stylist? You know, because you kind of got to admit to yourself, look, I ain't really doing it like I thought I was doing it. How much is your I mean, day? Yeah, how yeah, much? how much? Would we, I don't now, know. What? How how much yeah, like, like, what's the budget? And not even that, but damn, tell me where I went wrong. Help me out. Talk about those conversations, too. I'm curious about that. You know what? The calls that I get, because my... My goal, and you can see the impact in my work, is to really just infuse fashion into the lives of athletes to help them boost their marketability. So really, it's about like, if you have on a black suit, that's cool, but where'd you go in the black suit? And who saw you? And did you get a check from it? Because if you didn't, who cares what you're wearing? Mm. So because that's my mentality and the way that I go into things, clients come to me when when they're ready to make those kinds of moves. Yeah. They don't call me because they, they're trying to get the Supreme Louis Vuitton stuff and right. get me the new Kanye's. Well, they do call me for that. But... Right. <laughs> so who do you call for that? Nah, they do. They're still asking for that Supreme stuff. I'm like, guys, right. it's sold out. But, um, yeah, people call me when, when there's a big picture... 360 degree audience made yeah that, situation yeah that they they where they really want to have more of an impact on the culture mm-hmm. um, and want to have an impact on their brands right and that does start with wearing the right black suit but then it expands greatly and has a lot of tentacles that go from there so is the right black suit like the tent pole of the glow up, I'm, you know, like you know what I mean. Like you get these. Big Gotta looks. have the right black suit. <laughs> Gotta have the right black suit. It has to have just the right amount of sheen. Uh huh. Not too much sheen. Not and you oily. put and you put it on with a white tee and some white common projects, and you keep it moving. 
Look at that. Look at that. That was for y'all. Keys. Shit, I need that. That was man. for y'all. Figure it out. I need to figure yeah. out what that's the common what project. That is. I could, you got those on. Yeah, yeah, those, you but got you know those on. You're on your way. It got to have the right sheen. Right, I don't know nothing about the sheen. It got to right. have the right sheen, Ali. And it has to have like a certain amount of stretch to it, too, because it got to fit your thighs a it certain way. Wait, wait, wait. My thighs is real little, though. I don't need all of my thighs too much. The thing is, you don't want to look like broke bay you want to be woke bay you don't want to be broke ooh, bay ooh, don't be that guy now nah, you don't want to be that guy at all yeah, but what so that suit gotta have the right amount of sheen and no matter how big your thighs are so i need to be able to so see a little bit sheen, of them talk about what, what, the is, sheen. what does the sheen come from <laughs> like what is that like how what? you know your shit ain't got no sheen like yeah because you know you know if you have an ashy black suit or not. i don't ooh. i don't know you know if your suit know. is matte and ashy black. or if it has a little bit of glow to it see when you ain't in that system Nobody all you know is it's black who knows? This black is gonna be dark. I yeah, throw a white shirt right. on. I don't fucking know what the fucking sheen's supposed to be. Where does the sheen come from? Like, what is the sheen? Right. The sheen comes from the fabric, and you can test that out by just shining a light on it with your iPhone and taking a picture of it. Is there a little glow? Is there a little sparkle to it? Is there a little light that hits it just the right way? Damn. I think my my suit matte. <laughs> Look dead in the I photo. My shit just black. I just, wake your suit just, up. Just go out. What's up with your suit? Just, just go away. His suit yeah. look like it's you know sleeping. What I'm my skin, my skin be shining. My, my white shirt is mm. glowed up. Right. I think my black just right. disappeared. I didn't know because I was a void in space. I can't stand y'all. <laughs> spray your, your suit down. Yeah. Some oil Put sheen. some oil Afro sheen. sheen. You know what I mean? Put some Afro sheen on my suit. Whatever it takes. Mm. Whatever it takes. What else? Or some other things. Some other. I don't want it to be so trite. But what are some tips for people that are trying to get their world together, fashion wise? What should just the the common man know if he's trying to, you know, trying to be somebody in the world? <laughs> somebody with a little bit of aspiration. What, and, and what is this common man thing? You right. Speak of? I wish you guys could see my face right now. Like, I don't. Man. I don't. I don't know this common man. I know nothing about. That okay. Guy let's say this. Okay. Let's not. I don't know that let's, man. Let's say this cat. He was common on last Thursday. Then he got a check last Friday. He don't want to look common no more. He wants to let the world know that I, I've ascended. I'm, I'm in the space. Beyond the, 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 the sheen-based black suit, <laughs> what else should that man pay attention to? Okay, you should have the, the aforementioned black suit. No mm -hmm. doubt. You should have either a gray or a navy suit. Mm. Mm. You should have a pair of dark blue jeans that fit you like second skin. Like that you can wear like with ass, that like? you can wear with sneakers or with shoes. Right, that's tight. Like that's what, what's the fit? Like is it yeah, how tight? Is it, is it? How we going? Legging tight? Not legging tight. Okay. but all of you gents should have a pair of jeans in your closet that has some stretch to it. Okay. Like if your jeans don't have any stretch, uh -oh. my jeans ain't got no stretch. I'm I know they don't, don't, and that's why I'm jeans. touching them right now. <laughs> oh, I'm doing the stretch check. He got some stretch on his. Yeah. You told the John G. Don't be stretching on these motherfuckers. Yeah, nah. But go ahead. So a little stretch on your jean. A little stretch on your jean is good, and. Don't be afraid to go down a size. Just try it. Uh, what Just happens when you go down it. a size? Sometimes when you go down a size, 
you you turn into woke bay. And you'd be really surprised. I mean, you, that's what I I tease my clients when they first start working with me because I'm like, yo, you know, unless they're married. The kind of woman that you're going to attract after you start working to me is going to be very different. So you should prepare yourself. Mm. Oh, talk to us. Now, okay. Uh-huh. Let's hear about Because there's you- a new there's a new kind of girl. There's a new kind of woman that's going to be in your life that's going to gravitate towards you once that black suit has the right sheen and those jeans have a little bit of stretch to them. Mm. And that's just me as a girl but knowing you, what I've seen. But you do a good job. What, I, what I've noticed throughout your career, you do a good job in making a man be like a woman's man. You know mm. what I'm saying? Not like a thought, but like a woman's man. And you do a good job at that, but where you have a good sensibility of taking a dude and keeping him manly, but making him attractive to, you know what I'm saying, that particular woman that you're talking about. Yeah, that's always the goal for me. I definitely dress my men so that when women see them, they're drooling and like, damn, I want to take him home. Right. And that's not, always not making the goal. them look like a little, you know what I'm saying, like like more girly. Like some people go too far and it's where it's almost feminine. But you keep it real, you know what I'm saying, like a man's man, but you know, the nigga got his glow up on. Yeah, I have to because I would never want to be with a man who looked feminine in mm. any way or looked like he was wearing something that belongs to me. Mm. Like, girls are supposed <laughs> to borrow your hoodie, not, you're not supposed not, to borrow their blouses. Right. Or their purse. No. Yeah. Mm. So, that's definitely something that's really important to me. And I like for the clothes to melt into my clients. Like, I, I like that their their ensembles look more like second skin so that it gives their personalities and their faces and their charm and their charisma an opportunity to shine. So the first thing isn't necessarily what you see is the clothes, but you see the man first. Mm-hmm. So that's like really important to me. No doubt. Now, and that's definitely reflected in you. You see that in the way that Colin is dressed. Right. Um, throughout that cover. It's really, it's about the body. It's about embracing the muscles. It's about, you know, showing off all of that work that he does and and just about the simplicity of of being a man. Mm. 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 Word. Now, we we we've we've covered all the flash shit. You know what I'm saying? We we we've done all the high level upness. That's what they call it on this show. Oh, high level upness? Upness. upness. The upness. Oh, the upness. upness. Celebrate your upness. We was real up. We all about the ascension. We was was real up right here. We was in this conversation was real up. And that's good. Because, you know, our people, they they like the upness. But we want to take them back a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Um, Where did you you connect with fashion? Where did you feel like this was something that, that you wanted to do? Well, I knew that I wanted to do this when I found out I could get paid to do it. Mm. When I found out that styling and creating images was an actual career path, I knew that this was the direction that I wanted to go in. But you had style prior to that at that. So listen, listen, let's, well, let's, 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 even let's. before you knew you could turn a profit off of your style, how did you discover the fact that you had style? 
You know what I mean? Like, how did you... Certain people, when they got style, it's, it's second nature. It's like innate. You know what I mean? They can look at it and figure it out. Other people, that shit look like a puzzle. So when did you discover, wow, this is a gift that I have. How did, you know, how did it come to you? And then you found that you could turn a profit. Let's... Yeah. Junior high school, I guess. Mm-hmm. Early. Very early. early. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was how I was raised. My mom is really creative and um, exposed me early to fashion and art and fabrics and texture. She made a lot of my clothes when I was little. So it was something that I grew up with and something that was definitely just infused into my life. Mm-hmm. So once I had the ability to, um, once I was able to to have the resources to to get clothes and be able to experiment with them and try and fail and try and succeed, um, that's basically how it mm. all developed. Now, and <clears throat> so you had this idea of what you can do for for making stuff and being creative. I know you from FAMU. And at FAMU, y'all used to have a booth on the set selling clothes. You know what I'm saying? That was different than what everybody was wearing. But when y'all started doing it, it changed how a lot of it changed how the campus looked, actually. So the shit that y'all was selling was the shit that people started wearing. And it was like, it changed the whole look. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, this was what the '90s and something or something like that. Yeah. And then y'all was out there. Y'all had the little the vintage. You know what I'm saying? That was you no know, that vintage was new to niggas like me. <laughs> I ain't no shit. But, I mean, you old clothes. Yeah, old clothes and shit. <laughs> like that was that was that was that was some shit you was supposed to be wearing. That's right. some shit that you look at, dress up in Halloween, right? <laughs> shit like that. But y'all made it so that that shit was that shit turned into an everyday item that people wore to fucking class, mm-hmm. and it changed the whole look of the campus at that time, which was very amazing to me. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, from that perspective, you went from junior high, just you know, to, you know, your mother introducing you, you making stuff. But like at that era. What were you thinking and what was going on in your mind at that point as far as style and fashion? Right. So at FAMU, Ali and I went to FAMU, Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, Florida together. The Rattlers. Go Rattlers. And I'm a city girl. And to have to be confined to a place like Tallahassee, Florida, that literally is another planet to me. <laughs> was um, stifling cr- creatively or could have been stifling creatively. Mm-hmm. So I made I made it a game. I turned it into a game and my goal, maybe like Russell Westbrook, was to wear the most outlandish shit I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Like I had short hair, it was blonde, it was red, it was, that was pink. Be- before Eve and all them motherfuckers now. It was before all of that. All that shit. And that was it was foreign. It was alien. But yeah, it, it was. Um, but that was how I had fun. And that was my release. My release was like, 
going to vintage stores or going to thrift stores and finding dresses and cutting them really short and then taking that fabric and tying it around my head and because that was what I could afford to buy at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up with such an excess of clothing because of all of the pieces that I had amassed and recreated along with two of my girlfriends and so many girls came up to me and would ask me where I got my things, ask me like why I had the nerve to wear it or how I had the nerve to wear it. And, you know, I could tell that they wanted to be a part of what turned into this movement. Right. Mm. So yeah, we figured out that we could turn a profit on it. And there was a market <laughs> that we, that, that students could st- pay $10 for to set up and sell whatever it is that they wanted to sell. And um, my two girlfriends and I would go to Florida State on Wednesdays and FAMU on Fridays and we would set up our clothes. And when I tell you that girls would be standing there waiting for us to come, Mm -hmm. like waiting for us to pull the stuff out Mm -hmm. and put it on the rack. And as soon as we put it on the rack, the girls are snatching stuff like it it turned into it 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 turned into something that I never would have imagined. Yeah, it was it was it was a movement. It was something totally different because you you talking about the girls, but I even seen guys walking around campus in leisure suits and shit. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Like y'all turned the whole shit into something totally different. Because you know how you know how um I'm gonna give you the look for the dudes. You know how Lucini video was. Can't flow. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah this yeah, was yeah. before that shit now. Right. <clears throat> That's how dudes was walking around campus looking right. like Camp Low and shit, shopping with them. Yeah. Where'd yeah. you get the vision from? And where were you getting the clothes? Was it like, were you thrifting? What, it was what? all thrift stores. Yeah. It was, it was all thrifting. thrift stores. But it was all very organic. I mean, right. that was very organic. And like my styling career and like mm-hmm. all of these things that have happened were all very organic. And I know that some people are you know, goal-oriented and they're task-oriented and they write everything down and they're like, in five years, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to... But the things that that have come to me that I've been able to do, it's nothing that you... It's nothing that I ever even imagined or anything that I could ever write down. Mm -hmm. It's really just me going with my gut and just continuing to express myself genuinely. But from knowing you from then to now, it's just all... Who you were, you came with that. You came here with that shit. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like you built it, you you like, oh, this is something that's the wave and I'ma jump on it. This is what you was already doing and and it just fit all the way through because that's what you was gifted with. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I guess before, you know, before we get out, the last thing we want to talk about the Jersey shit, the Jersey era, because that was the that was the real glow up. I got a question too on on a whole nother. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, do that before. Well, we this get is to a little Jersey bit more. <clears throat> is hype beast a culture now? Because the term hype beast has been kind of more so like a. I don't want to say like a slur, but it's, it's like an, a, it's, it's an a, adjective. It's now. an adjective. It's an adjective. It's used to describe. It's it's just like being called a hipster, right? And which which most people don't really embrace the hipster title. They be like, you know, I ain't no hipster, but they be a hipster, right? right? <laughs> but I'm starting to watch people like really embrace the hype be shit because 
you know, you, the hype beast thing is all over the place. So you get caught up in it. I was watching this one one YouTube video, and this one cat was like, you know, I live the hype. I'm a hype life. You know, what I mean, I live. You know, I'm hype beast life. Like he was, he was <laughs> he proud. Owns it. He owned he it. Owns like it. it was hip hop. Well. And I wasn't mad because with that, you have to be very resourceful. Very, you know, you on, you gotta, you, you know, it's a lot of pursuit to that. Like mm. it's to be a hype beast that is thriving. There's some work you got to put in, and it kind of reminded me of like when you were in hip hop, and say for instance you were a DJ or a producer, like you had to go to record conventions to go get these obscure records, so you had the breaks before everybody else and things of that nature. And I'm noticing it like it's really like it's deeper than just having on some Supreme. It's like oh, I know these guys. I'm con you know you see things like Complex Con where it's like you know there's a there's a you know there's a there's a culture developing. So I'm curious. What you think about it? Actually, I saw you at ComplexCon last year. Mm -hmm. um, what do you What do you think about it? And uh, yeah, what do you, What's that? I mean, how you feel about it? I love all of these movements, right? Because people sometimes need want to express themselves a certain way, but they don't know how to. Right. And so if attaching yourself to a certain movement that you feel with, that you identify with is the way that you're able to do that and and express yourself to mm -hmm. the world and like get that out and get that off, right. I'm all for it. Like do that. If you wanna be on the Nike app, pressing refresh, 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 because you are trying to get those- Off-white. Yeah, the off-white Jordan ones. Right, right. Do that, or you go into all the sneaker swapping conventions. I love it. I think that it is. It's it's part of what's going to continue to push the culture forward, right. and I'm mm -hmm. all for it because that's going to morph into the next thing, and then that's going to morph right. into the next thing, and then you see all of the opportunity. There's in that world also. There's so much opportunity for entrepreneurship right. because. There's so many different ways that you can start your own business off of this hype beast mm -hmm. culture. Flipping. So, you know, I think that our world is going in that direction anyway, mm -hmm. and we're continuing to figure out ways that we can rely on ourselves to make money. Mm -hmm. um, you guys know. I mean, that's the life that we live. 21st century hustle, baby. Exactly. I have one other follow-up question to that. How you've been in the game for a long time. Now, making relationships with certain store owners and certain people behind these brands, are there any tips to that to, to make sure that you kind of get outside of being a big personality? If you're just a regular person that's trying to be plugged in, mm -hmm. are there any tips to, uh, to build these, to nurture these relationships? Sure. Outside of just buying their shit. Right. Well, buying is the the, the number one way that you're going to build the relationship. Right, right. <laughs> the money talks. Spin that coin. Right. <laughs> Be clear. That's the way that you build the relationship first. But then the second way is to make sure that you are connected with with 
the same people every time you're spending that money. Right. So if you're going into a store or you're you're dedicated to a brand and it's one that you really love, you make sure that you're on their mailing list. You make sure that you find out what events that they're doing. You make sure that you show up to these to those events and you make sure that you know when you're spending your money, you're spending it with consistently with the same salesperson right. or you've made friends with the manager um t- so that people know your face and they call you when before it comes out or before Mm -hmm. it hits the floor and they put it to the side for you Mm -hmm. because they already have your credit card information so they already swipe that thing Mm -hmm. you know so they know it's good yeah they know it's good they know it's gonna work we back to the credit card number again it's all about the credit card baby (laughs) this is a nervous moment (laughs) let it be good be good with it (laughs) because but Again, like you got to believe in somebody to just let them have your credit card information. Nah, but that's when you're in the game, though. I guess so. When you're in the it's the game, baby. You can't, you you know, you leaving your credit card with the places where you want to spend your money. You leaving your credit card places. I ain't in the game. Okay. <laughs> I, just wanna, I just wanna be sure. I was just saying. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. Motherfuckers got my credit card number is very <laughs> rudimentary. It, it's like the water company. Right, right. <laughs> Electric. You know what I'm saying? Spectrum. Adobe. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Adobe. Very video oriented shit for my business. <laughs> Other than that, you know, hey, I ain't no hey, listen. That's I ain't there. But I do want to touch on, before we get out of here, I do want to touch on that movement because just like this cap thing is historical, <clears throat> just like the NBA thing, the sports thing that you did as far as the the uh, the <clears throat> dress code and all that shit, that was historical. But in hip-hop, you know what I'm saying, where it all began, where it all started, you know what I'm saying, that Jersey moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was your moment. Mm-hmm. That was when you you took just yes, when you went from little baby Ray mm-hmm. to all the way Ray jerseys, the Who jerseys. Knew? You know what I'm saying? So tell me how that moment actually popped off because everybody know the goddamn throwback jersey era, <laughs> the Fab era, the J. Hey, y'all know that shit. It was a it was a moment in Black history. It really was. You know what I'm saying? And you were right there at the wave. Mm-hmm. So, whoever thinks that they have the claim to fame to starting the whole Jersey wave, it really was Fab and Clue that Mm. started the whole Jersey situation. No doubt. So, my partner at the time, Crystal Streets, Mm -hmm. was dating Clue. C-A-U. And so, Mm -hmm. Clue put us on to Fab Mm because Fab was his artist. And um, that Y'all Can't Deny It video, which was Fab's first video was when he had on all of the jerseys, the throwback jerseys with the fitted hats. And that's all he wore and that's all he wanted to wear. Mm -hmm. So, you know, between his plugs and our plugs, that was the movement. And for some reason, it caught on. And everybody, everybody wanted to wear jerseys. That's how I started working with Jay because he Mm -hmm. wanted jerseys. Mm -hmm. That's how I started with Jay-Z. That's how I started with Jaylen. That's Mm -hmm. how I started with a lot of guys who just knew that we could get jerseys. The plug. And so we got hired based on that. And (laughs) so that was it. You was young. Tell us about where you were at during that time. Like I was was young and I was popping. (laughs) Oh, I was living. I'm living now, but it's different. Cause I'm like grown. You were were excited. I was excited. I was so excited to work. Like my whole entire life was work and I didn't sleep. I didn't 
eat and I didn't care. I was just so happy to be able to get paid to do something that I really love that I totally would have done for no money at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think that anything like that was possible. It really sounds like it's something that could possibly be cliche, but it absolutely isn't. And, you know, I traveled, work was my social life um, because, you know, when you work in those environments, it's really like all about socializing. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, like at that time, we were heavily doing videos like the Y'all Can't Deny It video, the Jay-Z Girls, Girls, Girls video. But that was 9-11. That was 9-11. That's another, his, that story is that crazy too. You know what I'm saying? Tell, Tell the people. people. Tell the people. Tell the people. So my girl Crystal and I were on the, Amer- the American flight before the one that crashed into the towers Mm. we went to la the night before we were on the last flight going to la on american the 10 (coughs) p.m flight the next flight that left to go to la crashed into those towers Mm. Mm -hmm. damn good lord have mercy we went to la to do the the jay-z girls 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 video woke up at like 5 a.m to our phones ringing like crazy was 5 a.m la time Woke up to our phones ringing like crazy because people wanted to know where we were because the the first plane hit the hit hit the tower, so we turned on the TV. We were watching everything that unfolded. We saw the second fl- plane hit. We saw the towers fall, and then we went to work because hmm. we you don't understand the gravity of what happened. You don't understand right. the impact of what just happened. So mm. we went to work and started yeah. shooting the video. And we didn't start shooting the video. I would say we were on set for about an hour before everything really just started to materialize and people understood the gravity of what was happening and they Mm -hmm. sent everybody home. Oh, so y'all didn't shoot that day? We did not shoot that day. Um. We did not shoot on 9-11, but we did shoot on 9-12 because these video commissioners paid for crews clothes. (sighs) Flew everybody out out there. And all the girls, girls, girls were there. So we we ended up shooting that video. But if you could imagine having to get back home and us having to get on a plane and fl- right. and fly back home. Crazy. That was so crazy. Yeah, and you, crazy. you know, remember the airports were closed and right. everything yeah, was, was grounded. Crazy. So you know, and we the whole had world to stay changed. there. Yeah, everything was different after that. No doubt. But you know what I'm saying, before we get out of here and shit, that 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 right there, okay, you got the jersey moment, you was a plug, you you put those Fab did his thing, Jay did his thing, and the world was wearing jerseys and shit, right? And then you got a little hustler out of Cleveland that's selling the jerseys. You know what I'm saying? Running to LeBron, cause LeBron wants the jerseys that he got. Little Rich Paul hooked with LeBron. Richie. And the rest is kind of like history. Like, you know, Rich came into the scene. LeBron blew up. It was a whole moment based off of jerseys right there that y'all put in the play. Then you were able to be on that same team later on to take it to the next level in history. Which is a crazy-ass connection to me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if nobody else see it, but that's a crazy-ass fucking connection that... That all of that came together, you right here, you still in the middle of it, you still making history, and 
Shit, I salute you. How wow. About that? Thank salute. You. Question for you, real quick. Before I mean, I know that was. That was I'm a whole question after the toast. I just, I'm curious. As some, you know, as the fashion elite, who do you see as the today's fashion icons, and and then who are some of the people that are kind of following in your footsteps, or not maybe in your footsteps, but the young stylists in the game that you kind of you see coming or have made their name that you you know you want to kind of shout out if at all because fuck it if you don't want to you don't got to we can cut <laughs> all this shit out <laughs> Go ahead. fashion icons yeah. huh who are some of yours and then who are like the current contemporary who's who's moving it who's pushing it forward in your opinion um well designer wise it's definitely um Dow and Max at public school. Definitely, again, Jerry Lorenzo from Fear of God. Mm -hmm. Definitely Virgil Abloh Mm -hmm. um, from Off-White. Chris Stamped. Um, Ronnie Feig is like, Mm -hmm. just weekly continues to blow my mind with the things that, the moves that he's making in fashion, but then like connectedly also in real estate. I see you, Ronnie. Mm -hmm. I see you. The Google game is is up right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on my Google. Um, yeah, though those are some of the guys who, from a designer standpoint, who I think are having a real impact. And then, um, as far as stylists are concerned, mm-hmm. um, definitely Jason Rembert. Um. I see you, Jason. Oh, I is see you, Jason. He's a stylist who I have watched work this system to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's a textbook way to work the system and thrive within it, Jason is um, someone who is doing it and doing it really, really well. And I, I, I admire him greatly. Um, and then... The girls who came up under me, Kalila Webb Williams, um, or Kalila Williams Webb. Girl, get rid of one of those names, mm. please. <laughs> um, Callie Ann Barnett, who works with um, D. Wade, um, Keisha McLeod, who works with Serena and Iguodala. Um, Courtney Mays, who works with um, Chris Paul, does a beautiful job on him. Like there are so there there are a, a, a lot of the the stylists who are making an impact in the in the world of athletes and fashion and mm-hmm. and continuing to push everything forward. Most of them I've worked with at one point in time or another. And although they probably hated me when they worked for me, they have to love me now because I know that they took. Um, my fierce mm-hmm. regimen with them and oh, were God. able to apply oh, it and do it and, successfully. And, and that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? That's what it's all about. You you came, you do your thing, you know what I'm saying? And the, the people who work with you, they learn and they grow and they go. Yep. Yes, they do. There you go. So that's the other blessing. I mean, that's what it's all about, being able to pass it on because somebody definitely passed mm. 
these opportunities to me. Shout out to Ali. Right. <laughs> I didn't even know who's getting the shout out. Shout out to Ali, <laughs> who got me my first styling job Ooh. ever with Sybil Penix and no Lewis doubt. Johnson. Shout out to Lewis Johnson and Sybil. Mama Sib. Um, yep, we did a Boys to Men album cover shoot. It was two days long. I've never, I still have never seen that many clothes assembled in one place. Mm. But Ali hooked me up with that job. That was my first styling job. But let me tell you the story of that right Look there. At that. Let me tell you the story of that. I didn't know we was going to go to that. But I was starting, uh, it was a newsletter at the time. It turned out to be my magazine, 21st Century Hustle. And the first interview that I did was with Sybil because I met her with Carla. And Sybil, Sybil, after the interview, was like, you know, I need a new assistant. I'm, I got this job. I need a new assistant. Do you know anybody? And the only person I knew in fashion in my whole world was you. And I didn't even know what fucking styling was. I didn't know none of that shit until this interview. But when she was talking, it was all that shit that we that I seen you do at FanU. And I seen it, you didn't just do it for yourself, you did it for the whole culture of FanU. So when she said that, you was the only person came to mind. And you were at a job, what was that, an architectural firm mm-hmm. or some shit? Shout out to HOK. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, you know what? You need to do this shit, man. Fuck that. <laughs> fuck, fuck that job. <laughs> Not yeah. knowing your financial, you know what I'm saying, situation. But fuck that job. You need to do this shit. Because, I don't know, she right with puffing them. Mm-hmm. And you took that shit to a whole other place. That shit was, you know what I'm saying, I, I, was just a, I was just the messenger. I ain't do shit. You took that shit to a whole other place and went where you was supposed to be because that's who you were. And that's what the gifts that God gave you. And because of that, you fit, you rent, you you ran, and you turned the whole shit out. Amen to that. Church. Praise him. Where you going to be, D? I'm going to be in these streets. I'm about to be in in New York. I'm doing the stand. I'm near quite a bit this week. Uh, Stand up New York a little bit. I'm just in the world. Check out my Twitter. I'm about to revamp this uh this website. Get some dates on there. But that's it. I'm I'm local now. No doubt. Yeah. Rach, where you gonna be? Um I'm headed to Vegas this week for the Latin Grammys. The Latin Grammys. I get checks in in in, in all cultures. No doubt. I accept all kinds of coin. No doubt. Um, <laughs> pesos, euros, Bitcoin, yen. <laughs> Holla at your girl. Shit. Um, yeah, I'm doing that. I'll be in Atlanta next week for Thanksgiving with my mama. No doubt. Right. Who is fashionable than the motherfucker right now? Yeah, she really started is. the whole motherfucking kimono fucking situation, situation right now exactly but okay we're gonna continue and then i'm going to um norway the week after that to go and see the northern lights no oh, that's definitely. oh shit yeah so where can they find you you guys can find me at www.thomasfazon.com 
And you can find me at Loving Rachel on Instagram. No doubt. And I'm going to be in Brooklyn and shit. Y'all can find me at the Instagram, Mr. Muhammad. At the um, Snapchat, at Thorough TV. And shit. Till next time, tell a friend to tell a friend. And even an enemy. To get in the conversation. Oh, you know what? I'm going to be at the pit tonight. If you're listening to the podcast today, I'll be at the pit tonight, 8 p.m. So check that out. Right out. Yeah. And we out. of it all is to be in the conversation conversation